All right, welcome to Bite Size Bible Studies. Figured we would start the week off right in God's Word. Uh, over the last you know month or so, we've been kind of jumping from different places in the book of Acts. And so we're going to continue that today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. While you're flipping there, let me just remind you, our goal is to spend a few minutes together in God's Word. Let it activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. And as always, my prayer for you is that this is not the totality of your Bible study each day, but that this is a catalyst. This is something that gets you thinking, gets you, uh, you know, working things over in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, and then serves as a place for you to jump deeper into the Word. Um, I think one of the things we've really got to take, uh, you know, hold of during this this strange, strange time, is so many of our normal distractions are gone. Right, sports is gone. Uh, you know, frivolous trips to the stores are gone. Um, leaving your house for many people is gone. And so in that place, you're now, you have more time than you used to. And well, you have the same amount of time, but maybe it's not distracted as much as it was. And so my hope is, is that we're using this well. And one of the things we should be using well is getting into the word of God, learning to really handle it, learning to really meditate upon it and learning how it draws us closer to God. And then that relationship with him starts to change us. And so, uh, you know, that's my hope for you, is that this isn't everything. It's just a little jump start. But let's look at Luke, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16. Uh, let's look at Acts 16, verse 16. And so where we're at in, in chapter 16 is Paul and Silas are out and doing their mission trips. And they were using powerfully by God to spread the gospel and to, to you know, bring the light of the Lord to different people. And so in 16, you see this inter interesting interaction with the people and with Paul. So again, Acts 16, 16. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. Then the multitudes rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so I'm going to pause there. We'll, we'll, we'll continue tomorrow with what happens to them in prison. But there's a couple of key things I really wanted to point out in the story here. Um, first and foremost, I think, as, as we look at this, there's something very important to learn from this girl that is possessed by a slave. Or, I'm sorry, uh, possessed by a demon. And that's that if you look at what is being proclaimed by the demon, it's actually true, right? So the, the girl is possessed with the spirit of divination. And what does it say? The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So what's important to know here is this demon that possesses this girl understands who God is, understands what God offers. But that knowledge does not bring salvation in and of itself. 
right? Knowledge that doesn't lead to a change in action or relationship, and that's the key part, relationship, is worthless. And so, you know, many people tend to think that if they learn enough facts, if they memorize enough verses, if they, if they know enough things about God and about Jesus, that that's the key. And that's not true. Yes, you have to learn things about Christ. Yes, you have to learn things about his character and his person and what he believes and what he teaches. But if you just file those facts away as, as, as facts, trivia, if it's just things that you know, well, that doesn't do anything for your life. This is not about a test that you pass because you have the right answers. This is about a relationship with God. What I always tell people is, Imagine heaven's a big party. If you have a big party at your house, when people show up at the door and want to come in, you don't let them in after they give you the resume. Right? You can have a person show up at your house and hand you a beautiful resume that shows they have the greatest education and they're unbelievably smart and they're unbelievably talented and they've accomplished all these things in this world. And most of us, we would still shut that door in their face because we would go, I don't know who you are. So great accomplishments, but... I don't know who you are. At the same point, all of us probably have friends that don't have great resumes. <laughs> we probably all have friends that kind of mess ups and goofballs and have uh, all these different things happen in their lives. But when they show up at our door, what do we do? We open up the door, we wrap our arms around and we say, come on in. Why? Because we know them. Because we know them. And I think people get this wrong. If you're reading the Word of God, that is a wonderful thing, but if all you're doing is storing it away in your head as facts, that won't do anything for you. You are not going to get to the pearly gates and have Jesus hand you a test, and you have to fill it all out correctly. What's going to happen is when you get to the pearly gates, Jesus is going to open them and look at you and go, I know you. Or he's going to look at you and go, I don't know you. And so what we see in Acts 16, 16 is the demons know who God is. They know, they have the knowledge, they have the facts, but that doesn't change them. It doesn't save them. Why? Because the facts haven't led to a relationship. And so that's my encouragement to you always is, let what we study, let what we look at be something that drives you into a deeper relationship with God, not just something that you put up here for, for knowledge sake. Yes, you have to have knowledge but that knowledge has to be part of your relationship. I always kind of share this with, with my kids. Um, there are people that I'm a fan of. When I was a kid, Walter Payton was, was you know the football hero I had, running back for the Chicago Bears. I had read books about Walter, so I knew what college he went to, I knew what he weighed, how tall he was, his workout routines, his brothers, his family structure. I, I knew so many facts about Walter, but I didn't know Walter Payton. I would have never walked into a room with Walter Payton and gone, hey, Walter, and him go, hey, Luke, how you doing? I didn't know him. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And sadly, I think there's a lot of people that the relationship with Jesus Christ is exactly the same. They've read, they know about him, but they don't know him. And so I think that's one of the first things that's kind of interesting that's pulled out here. I think the second thing that's interesting is, look at how the people respond to this miracle. Right, Paul gets frustrated by this demon that's kind of pestering them. And so in, in the unbelievable power of God cast out the demon and immediately 
this girl is healed. And what do you see from the crowd? What do you see from the people around? You see not happiness that this young girl who probably was tormented by the situation in her life, they don't celebrate the fact that she now has peace. They don't celebrate the fact that she now is free. What do they look at? They look at what is the implication to me? And so it says here in uh, chapter 16, verse 18, or sorry, 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So what happens? These guys are making money off this girl. And the moment she's brought some kind of relief and comfort in Christ, they get angry. And I think this reveals to you a lot about what you face in the world. In the world, there are always people around you who will treat you more like a thing than they will treat you like a person. There are always people who, whose relationship with you is not based on their love for your character or your personality, but it's based on what they think you can give them, the things you have. And so I think as Christians, we have to be very careful about our relationships. And one, make sure that we're being a light in the midst of darkness. And that the way that we love people is that we love people not because of what they have, but because of who they are. I love you not because you're beautiful, not because you're rich, not because you have access to something, not because you're famous, not because of anything else other than I'm in love with who you are. And at the same time, I think we've got to look at our own lives and go, are we surrounding ourselves with people that cherish us that way? That's the interesting thing about Christ is, is not only does he want our relationship to be that way with him, where we just don't know about him, we know him. But Christ additionally looks at you and I, and he's not about what he can get from us. He's God. He doesn't need a thing from us. What God desires from us is not the things we have. He desires us, our hearts, our love, that relationship. And so as you look at this passage, I think it's just one of these interesting things where you think about the structure of the relationships you have in your life. Uh, the demons had a bad relationship with God, but not because of mental knowledge or facts. They had the right facts, but it didn't change them having an intimate connection with him. You see these masters over the slave girl. They don't look at her as a person. They look at her as a thing. And so that leads to another broken relationship. And overarching all of it, you have this wonderful God, the Father, who desires nothing from you that will benefit his life other than you. He just loves you because you're his child, because he shaped you, because he's built you, and because he has a plan for you, and he wants the very best for you. And that's why, brothers and sisters, that's a relationship we've got to put ahead of anything else in this life. I encourage you this week as you, as you go throughout it, as you're making decisions, as you're filling your calendar, try to put the relationships with the people that you love and care about at the foremost of those activities. I hope the good Lord keeps you safe. I hope he keeps you healthy. And I hope he uses you to build the kingdom this week. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. I hope you have a great evening and we will talk to you soon.